Space, the final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. It was a dark time in the land of the Code 47 podcast. Back again for episode 79. I am uh, cameraless for this episode, which I'm super duper unhappy about, but I'll grouse more about that as time goes on. But uh, yeah, hello, everyone. Great to be back. You can't see me. This was the first episode that we were going to do something super cool together visually and I turn my camera on and it's not working. I just I just don't know what to do about it. Oh my gosh. But anyway, we are here. This is Charlie Carden coming at you, Trek Lord of West Michigan, captain of the USS Grand Petoskey, a chapter of the International Star Trek Fan Club, joined by Peter Stein. Peter, say hello. Hey, everybody. And of course, the magnificent Katie Q. Katie, say hello. Hello. Oh, we are all wearing our cool Ritos t-shirts, which is, of course, the, the, yeah, uh, I'm doing it. I'm there with you guys. I am. Um, I believe you. I think you're probably wearing, like, your Star Wars t-shirt. Oh, no, never. And, yeah, you're good. just too embarrassed to know, to say or to acknowledge that you put on the wrong t-shirt today. It's, it's not true. It's all a big facade. I mean, facade. I mean, oh, damn it, I got caught. <laughs> oh, but anyway, we're going to move forward as best we can. I'm really bummed out. So um, what I'm hoping about is that obviously when you're watching the YouTube video, you're going to see how cool. And I even did a... I, I even did an Instagram post about this like an hour ago because I was so excited for us uh, to have this going. Uh, so anyway, next, um, week. next episode will be fixed. But uh, anyway, we're, we're back now. We're going to jump right back into it. Uh, we are just a few days away uh, from the first uh, episode of season three of Lower Decks. Super fired up. Lower Decks. Lower Decks. Lower Decks. Eventually we'll get synchronized so that we all say it at the same time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hasn't happened yet, um, but we're, what we're going to do here for fun, for funsy dunsies is we're going to run through uh, and talk about season two the way that in our last episode we talked about how much we were enjoying uh, season one. Obviously, we don't have to go through the recap again. Uh, we know what the show is about and all that fun stuff, uh, but we're going to talk about season two. And season two, you know, if you've listened to the show with previous co-hosts, we, we've been through the program before talked about each episode as it was coming out. Uh, but when we got to season two, the folks that I was recording with, and I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to throw shade at anyone for, for how they felt about those episodes and not liking the series. But, you know, I, I was recording with a couple of people at the time that just absolutely did not care for it. And we would get on every week and talk of, and they would talk about how they found it kind of offensive and they found it unfunny. And, uh, then Katie comes along. She's like, what are you talking about? This show is, <laughs> this show is fantastic. You need to watch it again. We're going to do a whole segment about how great it is. And we did. And I just really started um, to turn around the way I felt about it. So uh, for, first and foremost, you know, we're back with another 10 episodes um, where we're just doing more 
kind of crazy crap and, you know, and, and getting around and, and digging in and doing some fun and different stuff. So uh, let's kick it off. So we're, we're, we're going to go around. Um, we're going to talk about a favorite moment. We're going to talk about moments that we don't like. And then we're going to put in our kind of prediction for season three, like something we're really dying to see. So what's the best way to handle this, you guys? You want to, why don't we, you know, why don't we start? Katie, why don't you start? Talk to me a little bit about some favorite, let's go favorite moments, because favorite moment <laughs> just doesn't really seem like that's really going to get the job done. So, Katie, talk, I, to, talk to me about some of your favorite moments from season two. First off, I want to apologize to anyone who um, was in agreement with a previous uh, co-host who didn't like Lower Decks and are now having to deal with all of this Lower Decks content because I came on and was like, no, we're talking about it all the time because it's amazing. <laughs> um, but I think I need to separate my favorite moments into just, like, favorite moments of stupidity like just that wonderful heartfelt stupidity that we have come to expect from lower decks and then our favorite like star trek moments where they just really okay. feel like it jives with star trek um because i was thinking about like my favorite episode and i definitely have to say i think overall the first first contact which was the season finale for season two it felt like they really nailed the kind of ingenuity and like drive and kind of those last moment like stress and seat of your pants kind of moments and anxiety that you expect from a really good Star Trek episode while mashing it with that stupid, fun, witty humor that you get from Lower Decks. I mean, because you have it where like they are flying blind with two people on either side, like through an asteroid field, you know, telling uh first lieutenant where to like how to go through and navigate this field because they can't have electricity can't do anything like that so it's really high stakes they've had to strip the ship down of everything and at the same time you have dolphins who are making like basically sexually harassing rutherford the entire time <laughs> <laughs> like it's you get just really like really great it's a really great mashup and it felt like they really got where they were trying to go with the feel and vibe of it yeah. Um, but then like my favorite moment, like I was trying to think of like, well, then if that's my caliber for what was my favorite, what one would be the antithesis of that? And it seems like that was the, um, uh, what is the spy among us? Among us? among us yes because that one there's not really a lot of narrative drive there's not really it's just stupid it's, it's just but it's absolutely fantastic and it's still one of my favorite episodes because like we were talking about it before while you were doing your you know camera stuff and it's like oh i can't make those decisions i don't have a big enough hat <laughs> you know, and, that it, that, that's analogous to this old routine that uh, Dennis Leary does about the Catholic Church. He says, "He says God must have a huge fucking sombrero because it's all about the hat." Yes, exactly. And that's saying like, and you've got this the Packlet ref, refugee. That's the, and it's just so stupid, but it's so much fun because like they keep uh, keep referring to um, the uh, Freeman as. Uh, Janeway, and they're like, I'd be Janeway because they can't like come up with the idea that there might be more than one captain. Yeah. So, but those would definitely be like my favorite like moments. I feel like. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, Peter, let it loose. Well, I would have to agree that the final episode is my favorite. Um, it just like Katie said, like there's not a whole lot that I can add there because you explained it really, really well. <laughs> oh, um, thank you. So, but it, it's just a great, great episode. And I think it was one of those ones where like they, one of the things for me, I love starships and 
And the uh, the ship that they br- brought in, the Archimedes, was like a 24th century upgrade, finally, of the Excelsior. Right, right. Uh, and it looked really, really good, um, at least to me. Um, so that was just one thing I really liked about that. And they brought in Captain Sonia Gomez, who we have yes. in like TNG season two. Yes. Um, Such a great throwback. Yeah. So and it was one of those like the minute she stepped on screen, it's like, I know who that is. That's cool. Um, you know, and it's cool to think about them being um, having been pals at that time, because there was there was a um, some of these one of these like I found this frame or whatever it is. It was from season one of TNG, it was that where the, where the bow breaks episode where they ran into the Aldeans who yeah. hey, we can't have children. So they stole a bunch of kids from the ship and they, <laughs> showed, they showed a screenshot of like, cause they're beaming kids out. So one of them was in the classroom and they beamed out and there's this, this, uh, a little girl in the back, she's black and like, what if this was Beckett Mariner? Because Freeman was also on the ship at the same time. Maybe that's actually correct. Because you what if know. Sonia Gomez yeah. and Freeman served on the Enterprise at the time, and therefore Mariner was well? I guess we'd have to do the math to figure. I could have been, could have lived on the Enterprise. It just hasn't been brought up. I think. Well, it's very clear that she knows Riker. So my imagining is that they were both on the Enterprise D, right? Because exactly. the way that Freeman and Riker interact. Right. They've clearly known each other for quite a while, mm-hmm. and because right. Riker was on the Enterprise D for basically its whole life. Yeah, exactly. Like they have been on the ship. Right. Um, exactly correct. So yeah, that, that was probably my favorite episode was first, first contact for the star Trek moments. Yeah. Um, I also really like the spy humongous because I just love how they've taken the pack lids and taken them from just like a one trick pony to right. be a two trick pony. Right. But you know, there's still, like they did it really, really well. Um, but if we're, but another one that I really, really liked was I excretus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that one was mostly because it was just chock full of just references to some of the greatest moments mm-hmm. in some of the previous series. You mostly tongue in cheek, like when the trailer came out and they showed like Rutherford standing in a motion picture era engine room i was like oh that's cool it lasted all of like 50 seconds but it was still really fun (laughs) (laughs) um or like you know boimler going i have to get to perfection don't get to perfection boimler drag this out as long as you can ah all right (laughs) um so like you see boimler's perfectionism but he's willing sacrifice for the crew like mm-hmm. sacrifice that perfectionism so like they played it tongue-in-cheek and it was really really funny but you saw like there was some character growth there which was which is really really cool yeah they and still they brought- played it true to the characters yeah and then they brought in the detaching three-piece alien from the animated series they really really like dragging stuff in from the anime <laughs> right exactly you know, like i said in bits and pieces and you know we've talked about this in the past a there's not a love a lot of love lost for tas you know the the, the original animated series from back there's in the, there's a few good episodes right but. right but, but even like i like i've said and i feel like i i said this in in a in previously is that uh, even gene roddenberry was like no it's not it's not canon forget even but even before 
even before canon was a word, I think he said it was apocryphal. It's apocryphal, which means <laughs> yes. um, But then, yeah, but any time that, and again, Star Wars is, is a great piece of this. They're like, well, everything pre-Disney's legends, but I like this thing. So now I'm going to suck it back in and it's a background thing in this corner of this episode of The Mandalorian and now it's a thing. Or the <laughs> this is so great, the, the way that B. Arthur's character who was in the cantina was made canon because it got referenced in the From a Certain Point of View book, which was all the little interstitial stories around that happened around A New Hope. It's, it's a bird of a different feather. It's, it's yeah. Talk about that another time. But yeah, it's, it's kind of the same deal. So, well, cool. All right. Is that it? Is, is it my turn or Peter? Or did, I, did I just jump in and steal it from you? No, I... The only other moment that I'll have to mention is the um, the bar where they went and found out that Kirk and Spock managed to get themselves kicked out of yes. Yes. party. That was fantastic. So because right. it's like, oh, they didn't make it, and they used and they were and it was they're going to be famous. It was like, yeah, that totally seems like a Kirk and Spock thing to like show up and people are like, we don't want to hang out with you because you do shit and we don't like that right. <laughs> or Kirk just getting too rowdy and then getting kicked or Kirk, out or Kirk like I mean imagine this is like right after the Enterprise incident or something and then they're oh like Kirk you dingus yeah. we're not dealing yeah. with you <laughs> you leave that rhyming that, that, that's what happened to that Romulan cloaking device they left it there it's, it's under the bar um, yeah. <laughs> that's why we never see it again right, <laughs> they exactly. lost it it is. They turned it into a table. It's uh, it's one of those bar tables. But uh, all right, well, I'll take a crack at it. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick an episode that nobody's talked about so far. Episode seven, where pleasant fountains lie when you, you find out about uh, Billups' home planet, which is basically <laughs> the Ren Fair in space. I. I love. It. I mean, for me, the the Dungeons and Dragons and the Ren Fair stuff has always been like a blind spot for for me. It's like it's not it's not a big part of my fandom. I I have to say this is one of my favorite episodes of the series because it's just it's just everything about it is just so ridiculous. You know, they're like, oh, the I can't even remember the name of the different like oh the. What the hell did they call the warp drive? It was oh my god, I'm drawing a blank. It was something it's like, like the dragon's fire energy, right? Or something, or something yeah. So, so they're they're in a way kind of like the packleds, except they're not stupid, but they have weird, dumb names for stuff that you're like, oh. But again, it's also very Star Trek because you're like, well, this is an alien species, even though they're obviously humanoid. Um, but they have their own way of doing stuff. So in some ways, it's almost like you know, Kayshan, You know, of course, best moment of the and I found the found this on Twitter and I had to ask a guy like oh my god I want one of these somebody has a little puppet of him they have the case <laughs> somebody somebody when he like, became a puppet <laughs> I'm like where did you get I gotta have one of these oh. I'm like oh a friend made it for me I'm like shit oh <laughs> Keishan was one of my favorite additions to this, even though he wasn't in it as much. I I loved him because I love the Temerians. I know, (laughs) but even in that episode, the the B story with uh, with Jeffrey Combs, who was one of the more notorious background actors as Agamus, the you know the the agro computer that uh, you know. 
they're taking them and they're, they're transporting from it's Boimler and it's Mariner and they're transporting him from play, you know, point A to point B and they crash. And uh, there's, you know, this obviously this whole B story where Boimler is trying to uh, figure out, you know, Mariner, is she keeping secrets? Is she actually this, you know, super badass that they don't, uh, they don't really know much about her. And then, yeah, Agamus is trying to find a way um, to, outsmart them and take advantage of the situation and, you know, get back into power. Uh, and Boimler, uh, finds a way to, um, to trick him, which I think is great. Boimler never seems to have the upper hand. And this is the episode where he ends up doing it. And it's great. I do of course love at the end where he's put in the, he's put in the brig with other maniacal computers and they just keep pulling it back and (laughs) arguing with each other. One of them is the CBS logo. Fun fact. <laughs> yes, I noticed that. <laughs> no, no, I had no idea. That's hilarious. Yeah, the first time I watched the episode I was playing, I was like, wait a minute, rewind. That is what I thought that was. <laughs> CBS. Oh my goodness. So, um, yeah, I would say all, all kind of my favorite moments are packed in. I love the episode nine, which is the Weju or whatever it is, is written in Klingon. Wejdush, yeah. Wejdush, that great alternate perspective of, you know, this is lower decks of a Vulcan ship. Yeah, and it's funny how nowhere else in Star Trek in the 24th century do we see a lot of other member worlds having their own navy the way that we see and plus the vulcans haven't updated their ship and designed in 200 years because their ship is the exact same ship you see in enterprise all over the place it's just bigger yeah (laughs) yeah you never really see um you know the andorians still have their own ships or though i feel like we see an andorian ship in this somewhere that it looks just like it's like it's a modern it's it's this it's the old enterprise design but it's still in service so never really see anything about that and then the the interplay with the klingons which obviously bleeds right into the next episode because it's a conspiracy of how they're they, they're framing uh captain freeman which will be obviously quickly resolved in this next episode that we're going to see this week um i love that you know and that but again the capper the the humor in that is the post credits or the scene that, that was that was my favorite shot lower <laughs> decks of a board cube absolutely no movement absolutely the same as every other deck on that <laughs> yeah um, it was so funny like the the whole episode i was actually sitting there going are they gonna do a board cube because that would be funny <laughs> and then they and then they, and it was like board cube number whatever and i was like yeah. yes and then it showed them just standing there i was like are they gonna just stand there the whole time because that would be great and they yeah. did and then like, they do because that's the point of them moving <laughs> they're not doing they're not doing anything they're not there's nothing going on it was so great <laughs> oh my gosh so and uh, that, that obviously set up that was uh uh Talin is the vulcan character in that and i 100 feel like she's gonna show up on on the Cerritos because oh, yes. it was just really how they teed it up. Um, well, cool. Um, so that's favorite moments. Let's flip the switch. What is something during the season we saw that we did not enjoy? I have mine figured out quite easily, but again, we'll go around Robin, which means Katie, you go first. Oh, um, I, I have difficulty with this. Because I felt like, honestly, I think I liked this season more than the last season. So I would tend and, to agree with that. Yeah. And I, I know that the Mugato episode is not a favorite of folks, but I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was very funny. <laughs> um, so 
Uh, I'm, I'm scrolling through. I'm trying to figure out one that I'm, I'd be like, oh, which one was the weakest? I mean, I guess I kind of, I switched it where I was like, I don't think it was necessarily like a least favorite, but, but it was a like, not really indicative to the plot much, which was the Aias Greedus one. Yeah. Or not Aias Greedus, excuse me, um, the um, Humongous, the Spy Humongous. Yeah. So that one was going to be my least favorite originally just because it didn't really... Like, it was just kind of, a, it felt like a filler episode, so to speak. Um, but it also is absolutely fantastic, and I, I love the Packlets. So I can't really say that it was a bad episode. I, I plead the fifth. I don't have a bad episode. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All I right. know. <laughs> I'm bad that way. You know that about me, Charlie. <laughs> no help whatsoever. All right, Peter, g- g- give, me, give me something. Oh, oh, wait, I take it back. The du- I didn't like the duplers themselves. I loved the ending. Same, with- same, same, yes. same. I, I, yeah, oh, good. Yeah, the duplers were a Yes, yes. Yeah. I didn't love that, but I I liked like everything was- on the station. That yes, was- the, yes. The, the station was super cool, I agree. And I, and I did enjoy Rutherford with his mini pork core grenade. Yes. <laughs> Starting countdown. Gosh. Like All right. Peter, get, get, give us a dud. What's something that was like... Um, aside from the duplers themselves, um, I would have to say... Uh, I didn't care terribly for the Mugatos themselves in in that episode, in the Mugato episode. There was a lot of stuff around it that was great, like right. Rutherford and Boimler doing their thing, trying to figure stuff out. The right. obvious crappy Steve Irwin. <laughs> that, oh was, that was hilarious. You have 100% stolen mine because that was exactly what I was going to talk about. <laughs> so yeah, it, was, I, it was mostly just like, I, I like the Mugatos when they were doing stuff, but like the, I didn't really care for the, when Rutherford and Boimler were stuck under the log. <laughs> That yeah. was probably that was one of those moments where it was like, whatever. It like, was just it's not you know, bad, but it was one of those like, eh, I can leave that one. And it's it's not that it's not that I don't have a raunchy sense of humor because oh my god, do I have a raunchy sense of humor? But I'm like, uh, it just I don't I don't I can't even really explain why it fell so flat for me, but it really did. Yeah, they're they're getting humped into the ground because of the two, and then the one who wants to watch and he's stroking his own horn. I just. Uh, I don't even want to say it's like, oh, it's too much for me. I can't handle it. Because, whoa, well, I, you know, probably on the scale of Rick and Morty, which is, you know, obviously the 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 spiritual modern day cousin in a lot of ways to the show, which I don't watch. That's probably very commonplace humor. I don't do, do either one of you guys watch that show with any kind of regularity. Am I the only one? I haven't I've seen, seen bits and pieces. the most recent season. I don't think, but yeah, it is very much on par with that kind of humor of like kind of. Pushing boundaries in a way that kind of turns it on its head, where because it wasn't like the humor wasn't so much the fact that, like, oh, we're making like a raunchy, like, sexual, you know, stuff happening. It's the awkwardness of them being stuck in that situation, which is what makes it funny. So that's much more like that Rick and Morty humor of we're going to kind of flip the script of, yes, we're pushing boundaries, but we're pushing them in a different way. Right. Gotcha. And I get it. I just, yeah, it just annoyed me. It was yeah. just like, eh, whatever. Yeah, we're it wasn't so like I was offended by it. It was just one of those like, eh, whatever. So I was more, I was more amused by the Steve Irwin 
Oh, oh that guy was hilarious. I have three books on Mugatos. <laughs> Wait, you published them? Oh, I read them. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, cool. All right, well, we've circled back around. Now it's time to think about season three and one burning prediction, something you want to see, a cameo you're dying for, you know, maybe something that, you, that you've seen, uh, you know, in the trailer so far that is, has really got you excited, like something about season three that, that's kind of firing your imagination. Round Robin again, Katie goes first. Um, well, first in the trailer, I absolutely thought it was hilarious that they immediately were spoofing off of Picard with the vineyard. Uh-huh. Um, and boy, like that was immediately as soon as I saw that, I'm like, okay, yep, I don't have to worry about season three. This is going to be just the same the, fantastic the one of the first, yeah, of the first two seasons. <laughs> um, like I said, I'm very excited for um, Talyn to be making an appearance because I, I have a feeling she's going to be coming back strong. And I think even um, we're going to be seeing, or it would surprise me if we didn't see the. Um, new captain of the Klingon ship um, oh, right. because he took over at the end and I'm trying to remember what his name was. It, is, it, is, it is in the recap. It is. Um, keep, scrolling, keep scrolling. Oh, wait, no, I was looking at the wrong, uh, uh, or something, something. The Chita is the ship. Oh yeah. It's a, a ship. Excuse me. Yeah. M M A D apostrophe A H. So ma, 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 ma. Yeah. Yeah. I think I will probably be coming back, especially since he's probably going to feel like he is honor bound to fix the situation with the packlets. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Just because his former captain is the one who kind of initiated that whole thing. Oh, yeah. You know what? Maybe that's going to be the big fix. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah so, um, see that happening. yeah. And as far as um, cameos go, um, I think it'd be funny to see data or see some rendition of, of that. And right. just because they see, I feel like they're always bringing in um, some version of him in some way, shape, and form. Oh, some more. It like would a, be funny if a Brent Spiner cameo. Yeah, some like sort of, some yeah. sort of. Yeah, some sort of Brent Spiner comes back. Whether that's you know a new android or yet right. another um, one of his grandchildren, or, or maybe they have an episode where we find out why B four is disassembled. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe they decide to bring back Lore, and that's why he wasn't there. I don't know. Oh, yeah. oh that just reminds me of the episode of the, on the Starship where they're like. With the bubbles, they have the data um, bubble bath. The bubble and they're bath like, data. Oh, you know, some of these aren't lore. They're not. I mean, some of them might be lore. Yeah, it's right. all the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh goodness. man, it's so good. So um, I'd really like to see that. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I imagine that they'll probably fix whatever happened with Freeman fairly quickly. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but I would like to see maybe some. I'd like to see them continuing a through plot. I think that they've done a really good job of kind of Keep, keeping that going with right, right. You know, maintaining kind of the fun pacing and humor that they've uh, maintained through the first two seasons. So if they can keep the third season going as strong as the second, I'm going to be really excited. Gotcha. 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 All right, Peter. Um, kind of looking forward to the same thing as Katie. <laughs> Yeah. This is the strangest episode because we just agree on everything right now. I know. <laughs> I like it. That's the yeah. thing about the decks is it brings everyone together. <laughs> Usually. You um, know what? It's, it's brought together everybody except for my camera. <laughs> um, one thing that I have, the a cameo that I'm thinking might happen is um, we might get a, a wharf cameo. Ooh, um, yeah. because, because we have Martok doing Klingon Dungeons and Dragons, obviously, right, right, right. we might have Worf show up either like 
he shows up to play briefly and then was like, this is a stupid game with no honor and leave. Or or like Martok uses him as an NPC and just makes him do dumb shit because Martok is feeling particularly vindictive that day. <laughs> I would love that. They were having um, some dis- disagreement on the Klingon homeworld. Yeah. You know? And you oh, meet this honorless Patak. <laughs> Greetings. Isn't that Commander Worf? No, of course it's not. And like something stupid like that would be great. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that would be awesome. So I think that that because they brought all of the TNG cast back for Picard season three, there was there's the possibility that they had them all in right. one area and they could just take them quickly to a recording studio. So we might see more TNG right. cast members just briefly here and there. So like right. the lore possibility or a data possibility, I think that's pretty strong just because they're think, all yeah. there. We might I see think, most of them this season. I think the I think the lore one would be absolutely fantastic. Get some resolution but, on why there's no lore in in Picard yeah. season one when she's opening the drawers and here's the parts of B four, but and then lore never gets brought up because all we know about lore is that uh, he got and, shut down and taken apart. He, he got shut down, taken apart, and that's what we've known that for almost thirty years, and there's been no resolution yeah. on the what, what other thing that I'm looking forward to, and I don't know how much it's going to play is Deep Space Nine. Exactly. Because uh, they're going back to Deep Space Nine. So, again, yeah, that, for cameos, we might see a few DS9 cast members. Hopefully, Miles O'Brien. Um, because they joked about him in season one, right, it would be really right, funny yes. to bring him back. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see what they do with Deep Space Nine. I don't know what ex- where that falls in the plot, because trailers just pull stuff from wherever. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. So you don't know if that's, hey, is this stuff from the first three episodes or blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, DS9 is 100% my, we're, you guys, we're, we're just going over too much of the same ground here. We all want the same stuff, <laughs> which is just like, that's not bad. But yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, DS9 is 100% where I'm at because DS9 has remained almost completely untouched since its last reference was in season i'm gonna say six of voyager when it was the pathfinder project and that was how barclay made contact with with voyager and they they, deep space nine got an offhand reference as they were talking in the in the control room in that episode and i feel like that's the last time ds9 has had any reference at all it got referenced in insurrection but i think that was before that yeah yeah exactly so i um yeah because that was yeah so i feel like there has been no on-screen reference to Deep Space Nine since when the hell did that episode come out in the year two, maybe uh, two thousand. So you know we're talking about over twenty years that anybody said anything about DS Nine, and then there was that great documentary which uh, came out I think in twenty twenty. Although if you do play Star Trek Online, there has been some heavy emphasis and some really good storylines about Deep Space oh, Nine. So. Abs- absolutely, that's absolutely. not canon. Yeah, canon-wise, no DS9 in all that time. So, yeah, D- D- Deep Space Nine, and again, like everything in the show, it'll be passing. It'll be, you know, it'll be for the purpose of a gag. It won't be anything ongoing, and which is fine because that's what the show is all about. But, yeah, DS9 is, is my hope, and I'd love to see, you know, any one of the characters come. I'd like to see some Bashir O'Brien something or a Dax something, you know what I mean? So I'd be, perfectly sweet and like you said you were like well you know maybe they had people around and pulled them into a recording studio in this day and age people when their cameras work <laughs> but even if they don't just for audio <laughs> they, can, they can do audio bits absolutely anywhere so um so it, it's it's easy to have anybody in so um well cool all right so um during the break 
Peter uh, Axtra sent me some tips. <laughs> it's a targ. It's a targ. Targ attack. Targ attack. <laughs> the next time the dog stays out of the room. I kept them in here because otherwise they'd be sitting there barking outside the door, but Aaron does call them the groceries. <laughs> it is a catch-22 to no regard. Well, the, <laughs> yes. Um, I'm going to see if I can fix my camera during the break. Katie, thank you so much. This was awesome. So this week, uh, you're listening to this on Monday, potentially. Thursday of this week, we get the episode. Uh, season three is on. Um, so we're going to be back uh, in our next episode talking about uh, episodes one and two. So I'm very excited about that. So that's going to be awesome. Katie, thanks for being here. As always, where do people find you out there? You can find me on on Twitter under quintessential or QT Geek, excuse me, that's Q underscore T Geek, and then on Instagram at quintessential geek. Totally awesome, good deal. All right, we're going to take a short break, Katie. We will see you next time. Yeah, see ya. Keep, Bye. Keep on trekking. <laughs> we'll be right back. All right, back from our little break, and there was no help in the nope. camera department. Poof. I don't know. This is a weird one. You know, I record again tomorrow with Todd for SFU Prime. So I just I just don't know. Uh, my camera light is on, but I'm getting this gray screen of death with a padlock on it. It's just, it's very weird. Don't know. Yep. Not really we, sure. We, we tried will, multiple things. So We will keep working on it. But anyway, as fascinating as this is, this radio drama, of course, if you're listening to me, in podcast form, and it's fine, but my Cerrito shirt, I was so excited to show it off, but we will, there has to be a solution, this will get back to it. But anyway, uh, the real thing we need to solve is getting through these episodes of Star Trek, the original series. Oh my gosh, we got another six pack for you today. This season had 24 episodes, so that split out very evenly into six episodes at a drop. Um, so let's talk about season two so i will kick it off uh we're still we're at the at the end of 1968 uh with episode seven of the series the day of the dove uh written by or is it directed directed by written by okay it is directed by marvin chomsky uh directed by jerome bixby who was a regular of the series at this point i think he was maybe a line producer or someone who was Somebody who was pretty intimately involved yeah. uh, with it. Uh, we got this on November 1st of 1968. An alien energy-based life form that feeds off negative emotions such as fear, anger, hatred, drives the crew of the Enterprise into a brutal conflict with the Klingons. Oh, my God. This gave us uh, the character of Kang for the first time. Yep. He was really our third named you know, uh, kind of major Klingon. Yeah, Kor, Koloth, and now Kang. Which we all get back in, in that great season two episode of Deep Space Nine. And in, uh, and you get uh, Kang, at least, back in... Um, oh, in the, uh, Voyager, in uh, the flashback episode, which was for the 30th anniversary, where we learn about uh, Tuvok as a young ensign on uh, the Excelsior. So this episode also gave us the first female Klingon, if I'm not mistaken, and Kor's wife, whose name was... Not published in this summary that I brought up. What was her name? Hold on, hold on. It was it was Marta or something like that. Or yeah, um, Marta. That sounds right. Yeah, there you go. Which is a a name that ends up coming up in the later later Star Trek. That was Jake's Jake's Bajoran girlfriend, I think, in early episodes, yeah. the early seasons of DS Nine. Uh, so um, 
actually thought that this was a pretty good episode. Um, I love the Klingon interplay. This one really benefited, I thought, from the uh, 2006 remaster because we actually got to see the Klingon ship, uh, especially when they had to detonate it. Um, But yeah, this was cool. But this, you know, again, kind of started to really build a trope of, um, of, you know, the... uh, uh, alien, who's it, what's it, takes over the ship, and then it's manipulating the crew. Um, but and but it, it was fun because it did you know weird little things like everybody's on the ship and uh, all the phasers get turned into swords and it, there's sword fighting their way through it. Which you know you think Klingons would be a hell of a lot better at that than the humans would be. Uh, but at this point, we didn't have anything established as far as Klingon lore is their, their you know, love of edged weapons because we never even saw. And the also Klingon. these swords are straight blades. So yeah, exactly. Don't usually use those. Right. You know, we never, you know, because we never even saw, we never saw a Dartog. We never saw a, uh, a Batleth until, you know, well into the, the TOS films. Because, um, yeah, we first saw the Dartog knife with the little, you know, detractable side pieces when it got, yeah, you know, pluck. Yeah, I got plunged into David Marcus's chest. Ouch! Um, so yeah, I dug this episode. Again, it was it was silly in the way that, in particular, a lot of the episodes in the season are silly because it's you know it's not a great track. But I, I you know I liked it. I thought it was good. I enjoyed the Klingon interplay, and of course the fact that Kirk and Spock figured it out at the end of it, and they really know what they need to do to to yeah. to outsmart the alien. It's pretty good. I liked it. Yeah, it was a pretty good episode. Um... It ended a little weirdly for me. Like it felt like it needed a, one last scene, mm-hmm. but but it was fine. There was a lot of you know. Uh, there there's a lot of like it had a kind of a he man ending with a ah, ha, 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 patting yeah. each other on the back and burr, burr, burr. Um, it was just a little it was a little too silly. Yeah, that's why I'm saying it could have used like, yeah. one more scene where like they. Yeah, because in send Kang and company home. Yeah, you don't even know what the hell happened to, it. and now you guys are all going to a Federation penal colony. Just for shits and giggles, <laughs> we, yep. we don't we don't really care. Um, so, all right. So, moving on. Next episode is yours. All right, episode eight, which for the longest time until Discovery came out held the title for the longest episode title. Yeah, you say well, it was three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, t- eleven, ten words, eleven words. Yeah, whereas <laughs> I think Discovery has had like almost complete sentences, but this they have a full phrase in here. I um, got in the elevator and rode up to the top floor where I went to the restaurant and had a sandwich. There you go. There you go. That, that's new episode title. Um, <laughs> so this one, the For the World is Hollow and I Have Touched the Sky, directed by Tony Leader, written by Rick Valerts, I think, uh, aired November 8th, 1968. As McCoy discovers he is dying of an incurable disease. The crew of the Enterprise rush to stop an asteroid from colliding with a Federation world, only to discover that the asteroid is, in fact, a disguised alien vessel. They find an entire civilization living in the ship who believe they are actually on a planet, and a dictatorial oracle who forbids any attempt to discover the truth. Um, yeah, this, this episode, it took me actually the longest time to get around to seeing this one, because um, I didn't always watch TOS all the way through. Yeah. Um, so when I saw it for the first time, it was just like, oh, I finally got to it. Like I'd seen the title a lot. I knew it happened. Um, but this episode is interesting. Like it gives some interesting McCoy moments, um, and like McCoy's relationship to Starfleet. Um, 
but it it once again has kind of the you know evil computer controls an entire civilization and they have to trick it in order to free everybody um so but like this one's mostly enjoyable it's a bit slow interesting because it has a really long title <laughs> right exactly. so that's kind of indicative um so I wouldn't say this is one of the greatest episodes, but it, it, it it's got some really good character moments between McCoy and Kirk. Right. Um, I agree. Yeah. And again, it's kind of, you know, this is one that I feel like really got broken down. If you have that great 1975 Franz Joseph um, big binder, that's the technical manual. I think they have the, the Yandu asteroid on there. It's like, here it is. And here's the 5 million levels of it or whatever it is. Yeah. It really seems like from the, casting and the costumes and the redress sets which were just you know the most basic element there was nothing about what could have been had they had a budget to do like a living asteroid like could have done some really cool stuff with it that absolutely nothing cool was done with it yeah they could i mean they were limited they couldn't really do anything yeah it was like you like you later see in um like um i think they did it again in enterprise but they for sure did it in the orville and they did it much much better yeah um where you like you went onto the planet and there's like grass and it, it feels like a living planet right but um, that's a, so that's, that's what a, they were going for in this that's a absolutely tough sentence to say that they did it better in the orville well, ouch technology that's like the only <laughs> that's the main difference here better tech yeah, yeah well, absolutely so yeah i just thought and then like spock and the word mccoy and then the woman i just felt that that felt very like oh my god i'm in love and i'm gonna dedicate my life to you because i've known you for five minutes it was very like super yeah. duper tro- super duper tropish within the framework yeah. i mean uh, I, there was the part of it where it's like mccoy is like oh well i kind of like her and so i'm gonna stay here and i'm gonna die here okay fine whatever yeah. mccoy <laughs> okay fine. yeah wh- whatever dude come on now <laughs> and then it's like oh i'm healed well i'm gonna stay here now because now i have to because i have this thing implanted in my neck or right whatever it was or whatever it was a forehead yeah neck yeah. forehead something like that. So, somewhere in the general head vicinity yeah there's lots of um, things that get implanted on people that make their heads explode so you know I mean, absolutely. You know, yeah. I mean, you've seen this. This was this was Star Star Trek's take of the Suicide Squad, absolutely. Or yeah, before right. there was a Suicide Squad, maybe. I don't know. The exploding heads. Yeah, I don't think I, the Suicide Squad come out yet. Yeah, I, obviously the film. But I'm saying, I yes, don't know, the comic yeah, it's, it's right in the comics yet. exactly. So yeah, so I was just like, eh, you know, it, it could have been so much more. Yeah, um, it's but again, it's not one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, you much. know, it, it just and really the whole concept of McCoy now has this crazy disease that there is no background for and yeah there's there's not a lot of incurable diseases uh in star trek because the medical technology is so great but it's like where did he get it and why it just was super tacked on yeah so um speaking of things getting tacked tacked on uh you got tacked into the tholian web in episode nine uh which was directed by herb wallerstein Yep. Don't know him. Written by Judy Burns and Chet Richards. Again, not big old names that are jumping right out at you. This is from November of 1968. Uh, Captain Kirk caught between dimensions while the Enterprise is trapped in an energy-draining web spun by mysterious aliens. The two-part Enterprise in a mirror darkly serves as a sequel to this episode, which I, I, I was going to say that even if it wasn't written because yeah. I found that to be endlessly more enjoyable then this episode, and I think this this one probably suffered um, before the, uh, and again, this one benefited greatly from the 2006, um, you know, 40th anniversary um, 
recompositing of all the opticals because you got the start. The define is the ship that they're you know they go and they're they're trying to rescue this ship and they you know get beamed on board and found out that they finally figure out that space madness calls all the crew members to kill each other but the ship is continuing to phase out and everybody beams back just in time except for kirk and that's why he's trapped between the dimensions the defiant itself gets dumped into the mirror universe a hundred years in that past which is you know that seems pretty likely doesn't it um that that episode wormholes do as wormholes do so. i guess yeah wormholes do that would be you know if if uh, i hadn't already come up with such a great name for this episode that might not be such a bad one but i like what i picked so you'll have to see it when the episode comes out but um i liked it but yeah the kirk with his like floaty his doing his floaty dance as he's kind of going between dimensions and stuff. And I don't know, man, it was, it was cool. You know, this gave us our first taste of the Tholians and the Tholians yeah. obviously ended up being uh, a big part of the, the enterprise uh, episode as well. Um, it was pretty sweet. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely think it was pretty cool, but yeah, the death of captain Kirk and then, uh, you know. <laughs> and then Spock's major reaction when he's back. Right. Yeah. Not the first time Spock had his big, you know, like when he thought he killed him in a mock time, he was yeah, like, Jim! That was, yeah, that uh, was bigger, but yeah, yeah, that was, but this one was not insignificant, but even Uhura had the, uh, it was funny. They spoofed this in, uh, the Simpsons when Krusty, the clown faked his death. And then, uh, Bart sees him, uh, Bart and Lisa find him, but he's actually, he's, you know, he b- becomes a, a fisherman or whatever it is. And then, um, I think Lisa says, no, I'm, I'm seeing, I saw Cressy. Yes, yes, I know. You see him in your mind. No, I saw him. I saw him on the street. Yes, you saw him on the street in your mind. I kind of feel like that's what they do to horror. Like, yes, yeah. we all see Captain Kirk. He's in our thoughts and prayers. I did know. That just kind of made me chuckle. Um, but <laughs> from the chuckle and enjoying something, we get into this next episode which is really a double-edged sword because of something really historic it does, but then there's the rest of it. So why don't you tell us about episode episode number 10? So episode Uh, 10 is Plato's stepchildren of historic and infamy. And infamy, yes. Uh, Directed by David Alexander, who's directed many episodes in the past. Um, Mm -hmm. Written by Meyer Dolinsky, aired November 22nd, 1968. The crew of the Enterprise encounters an ageless and mischievous race of psychic humanoids who claim to have organized their society aground, around ancient Greek ideals, specifically the ancient Athenian philosopher Plato. So, where to begin? I mean, I, okay, let's start with this. What is, what, what's, a, what's the big significance of this episode, Peter? Go ahead. So, I mean, the main, the main thing that this episode gets brought up for, rightly so, is that it was the first um, interracial kiss between an African-American woman and a white man on Mm -hmm, American mm -hmm. syndicated or live television. Right. Um, Some people point out it's like Lucille Ball had that when she was when. um, Crap, I can't remember the character. It was it was a was a Latino with. Oh, right. Yeah. It's it's not as visually obvious. Right, Ricky um, Ricardo. Yeah, yeah, well, Ricky Ricardo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, so the, the like people, tr- I've seen a pe- some people try to take it away from this episode for that reason. It's like, no, this one's a really big deal, and one of the big deals is like the way that they did it. Like they were like, oh, we're gonna do some takes with and without the kiss, you know? Right, right. Um, and then Shatner purposefully 
did something stupid in the one take that they did without the kiss. Right. Um, so they had to use one of the kiss takes. Um, so believe what you will about Shatner. Think what you will about it. That was a pretty solid move by him. Right. Um, yeah, he, he did. He did pull out a nugget every once in a while. Yeah. Um, but then we get around to the rest of the episode, which yeah, is, is kind of oh, God, the singing and the, 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 the you know, and, and the and dancing and, you know, the, the, the driver of this was the, the, the dwarf character. And, and again, I apologize. Yeah, I know Alexander. that, that, yeah, I know that people of diminutive status, that there are some expressions of it that are considered offensive. I apologize if I'm using the wrong one. I know that the dwarf or midget gets used or little, little person, small person. I apologize. I apologize if you're listening to this and, and I am certainly not attempting to be offensive. Um, but anyway, that is the case with Alexander. He is the member of the, their group that doesn't have any of these psychic powers. Um, but naturally, you know, your team of Kirchbach and McCoy do eventually decode that um, he can, you know, that that it's what is it? It's something in the air, whatever it is that they something have in to, food, yeah, yes, yeah, so that they inject into them, and then and then eventually Kirk and company are able to also have those powers. But really, Alexander, because he's acclimated, is able to kind of rise maintain up and, them, yeah. and and maintain that and make it stop. But yeah, the, you know, the, the Alexander's riding Kirk around as a horse and making horsey noises, and it's just. Overall, it's just it's it's offensive yeah. and ridiculous. Spock singing, and then yeah, he and, and as a philosophy yeah. major, it's kind of irritating the way that they talk about Plato because like that's like I think that's part of the point is that they don't understand the Republic, but right. it's just like oh, it's, whenever whenever he talks, you're just like the the leader of the group. You're just like, dude, you did not read Plato. Yeah, at exactly. All. You suck. So yeah. much. Oh my God. Yeah. So he's, like, he's talking about the philosopher king, and I'm sitting there going, like, yeah, 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 no, that's right. And then he explains what he thinks that means. Like, no, no, that's not what that means at all. <laughs> you are incorrect, sir. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. So it's a double edged sword, or barely a double edged sword, because it's very dull on how the rest of the episode is just is just dumb. But again, you know, yeah. it, you know, you do find the the, the power of the Kirksbach and McCoy kind of triad figuring things out, and then eventually they're able to to escape and get back to the ship, and all is well. Yeah. Um, so I will admit, with this next episode, watching it through, it bored me to death, and I fell asleep. Um, but I knew I'd seen it before. Um, but yeah, yeah it, episode eleven is the wink of an eye. This was uh, directed by Judd Taylor. Story was by Gene Alcoon. Again, stalwart of the series. Teleplay by Arthur uh, Heineman. Don't know him. Uh, from November of '68, uh, an invisible time-accelerated aliens take over the Enterprise and attempt uh, to abduct the crew to use as genetic stock. I feel like this was this is really got a lot of similarities to the episode with, and again, I'm forgetting the name of it with the, 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 they, they snag the enterprise and they're taking it to the center of the galaxy. It's with the dodecahedron cubes. That yeah. The, the, one. Uh, the Kelvin. Yeah. yeah. The Kelvin. Yeah, exactly. And again, what was the name of that? Was it by any other name? Was that the name of that episode? Mm, I think so. Yeah. I don't know, but it's been a hot minute. I feel like, this one plus the one with the young lady in the overcrowded planet with Kirk. I yeah, think. it's a very I, similar idea. I just feel like they all kind of gel together. But I found, like I said, I and maybe I was watching this too late at night or whatever. Well, I can't remember. But I just, I just was bored sideways by this. Yeah, episode. by any other name that was. The yeah, I just, I just, I just thought this one was just super dumb. Um, but it was because it was time accelerated. I think the young lady. 
chose a crewman, but then when he, he fought died. with him, he scratched his neck, and that meant that he died. That meant that like you know that killed death. him. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like the whole concept of it. So I mean, I couldn't even like I said that. that Plus the other two I mentioned, they just all seem to gel together. So yeah. I mean, this, this one, like it had some interesting stuff where like they were able to like replay Kirk's log because they slowed it down, and then right. Spock was able to like shift into the the really fast time frame. Right. Um, so like like there was some interesting elements here, but it was yeah. I mean, you could yeah. almost say the episode was a wink of an eye because you want you out you were you opened your eyes. You're like, oh, this episode. Oh, it's yeah. over. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Good. All right. And and moving on. Um, all right. So it takes us to number 12. And I did, I, I kind of did a turn on this one. But go ahead. Tell us about episode 12. Uh, this episode is The Empath, uh, directed by John Ehrman, written by Joyce Musket, uh, aired December 6th, 1968. While visiting a doomed planet, the landing party is subject to torturous experiments to test an empathic race. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny, and, and I, I opened the, the link to this because it says, this is an episode is one of the handfuls not screened in the United Kingdom by the BBC for many years owing to its disturbing content of torture. It was not broadcast by the BBC until January 1994. Boy, that's weird. I really did not know about that. Um, like the one TNG episode that wasn't aired because it mentioned the uh, Irish Rebellion. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah, 2025. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was like, hello. Um, so, yeah, the guest, there was, and there was something about it, the character, you know, they're, they're beamed into a room, and it feels like this was, this was also done in a TNG episode. It was the, in season three with Picard, and they were all in that room together, but he was replaced. Mm-hmm. He was replaced on the Enterprise, and then he seduced Beverly Crusher. It was just some weird stuff going on. So it was the same thing. It was a couple of aliens trying to um, trying to swap out. Yeah, Ka- guest star Catherine Hayes, best known for oh, but best known for her role on the CBS soap as the world turns from 1972 to 2010. Wow, that's a long run. And she was. Why did I feel like she was? She was actually a mute. I, I don't know why. She, I she that never that, spoke in the. In the yeah, episode. but I thought I read somewhere that in real life she was a mute, but she wouldn't really be a mute if she was an actress and was on a soap opera for you know forty years. That would not be the case. But um, yeah, she was. She was an odd. She was an odd one. Um, part of me was like, Oh God, you know, she, she, she had this weird little pixie haircut and she was doing a lot of these kind of, she's kind of doing a lot of these like, <clears throat> uh, yeah, big expressions. But yeah. I was thinking about like, Oh God, who am I? I'm drawing a blank. Who is the, like Liza Minnelli. She was like the Liza Minnelli of Star. She was like a star is born. I wish you could see me. I'm trying to gesticulate, but my camera is not working as we said 50 times already. But, um, yeah, it was just, um, it was just it, it was a bizarre episode and it seems like the music felt very 60s-ish the sets were very 60s-ish you had you know they both he and McCoy were uh, strung up at one point so that's obviously that was the BBC part of it that they really didn't care for the the torture yeah. aspect of it and then um yeah the gems power was you know she could absorb physical injury out of someone else 
she would yeah, take, take it on herself and, 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 and then she it could heal herself and she, more she could heal herself out of and kind of just make the injury overall just pass away <clears throat> which is cool and i liked it i feel like at the end of the episode i'm like i even had to play it back my story i'm like well, what the hell happened happens to her she just is going to stay there on this because a lot of it had to do with her deeming the, the, the aliens took her and then they took them and they were performing this experiment. Yeah, they were trying to see if she was ready right. to basically take care of a group of people. Right. Um, and it almost looked like she died. I don't think she did. She actually die in the end. It was weird. It was, uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was a, a quote from one of the, uh, one of the guest actors who played the vine, given the minimal sets and the ludicrous pajama like costumes of the regulars. Oh, that's rude. The episode was quite successful in text and production. Boy, that really sounds like a left-handed compliment as it were. Yeah, it does die. Okay. Yeah. It was just a, um, yeah. And, and the critical responses, Polygon ranked the empath as one of the three best Spock centric episodes of Star Trek. God, I never know. Never would have picked that. That's weird. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, there were a couple of different places that really cited this as one of their favorite ensemble pieces between Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. I don't know. I'm I'm really kind of of two you know kind of two ways about this episode. It's just I always thought I'm like God. I saw it once and I thought it was absolutely friggin' dreadful. Um, but in some ways, it it has kind of some redeeming characteristics about it. i mean i don't know what do you think um honestly <laughs> i kind of forgot about this episode <laughs> um, easy it, to do it didn't stick with me right probably because it felt a lot like the um oh crap the tng episode like the right Roy- the-, the royale or whatever it is oh where gotcha a, a hotel Oh, right. Because, like, you step in and there's just the spinny door. Like, that's what this whole thing felt like to me. <laughs> the spinny um, door. And I just, that episode, Charybdis or whatever it is, like, that episode, yeah. just, the TNG one, I just don't like. Right. Um, and so this one was giving me, because I'd seen the TNG episode before I saw this one. Uh, yeah. was just, like, the way it started, it was just giving me those vibes. And it just, so I didn't really. I didn't really like it that much and because it was just really slow and it didn't seem to have like, there wasn't really like a great message that I took away from this one. So it didn't like stick out to me. Right. Um, Cause like aliens trying to manipulate someone to be like sympathetic or empathetic. Right. Just seemed like, okay, that's kind of dumb. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, there's some interesting Kirk Spock moments. Okay, fine. Yeah. Right. But overall, like, <laughs> yeah. but that's with a lot of episodes. Like we mentioned, there's a couple episodes where like the episode kind of sucks. Like, you know, the world is hollow and I've touched the sky. There's some great McCoy Kirk moments in there. And right. Some pretty good McCoy Spock moments in there. But the episode overall. It kind of turns into like a, take or leave it. like a, like a Star Wars prequel thing. You're like, oh my God, you know, for years with my kids watching episode one, I would just skip to chapter 38 because it was the duel of the fates. And then you could watch that big lightsaber fight with Darth Maul and the two Jedi. And it was awesome. But then the rest of the movie, mm, well, you still got Anakin and pod racing and all that shit. Well, see, you know I, I mean? love episode one. So. Oh my God. <laughs> we should have had you on to... Be our guest on that episode. We should have had you on to be our, you know, guest host in that episode because wow, yeah, there's a lot of it's a generational thing. But anyway, it is. We can get into that at another time. So let's wrap this up. These six episodes. uh, Let's have a favorite and a least favorite. So go for it. Oh, well, my favorite 
would probably be at this point um Tholian Web. Okay. Um it in part because of its connection with the later Enterprise episode. True. Um, because True. it has that that cool connection. Right. Um and I'm not saying like Enterprise is way better than TOS. I'm saying that this episode this episode gets help boosted in my I like this category because it right. has a continued story. Gotcha. Um, Indeed. <clears throat> All right. And then if, and then a uh, least favorite. Uh, <laughs> I mean, probably the, where do M-Pad. I begin? <laughs> probably oh. the empath. Oh, come on, Jim. Oh. But she's, she's truly outrageous. Different Jim. Sorry. You probably don't get that reference. Young man. No, I don't. I'm oh, sure if you okay, explain it to good. me, I would get it. But uh, yes, that, but that is really contrary to the point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I totally, I totally understand. It was way sixties ish. I just, yeah. And I'm not going to say that one is my favorite. My favorite of the pack was I love the day of the dove. It was, you yeah, know, we, good. we yeah. got some good Klingon stuff. You know, you had Kirk kind of doing what he, you know, Kirk Spock, Kirk and Spock and McCoy figuring out, you know, the crux of how they're being manipulated and how to undo it. The sword yeah. fighting stuff is kind of fun and you get, you know, you know, Klingons as warriors. This was really the best sampling, and this was the biggest group of Klingons you got to see together because it was. I think, yeah, Last I think what, it was um, the Organians, which I right, yeah, the, which is when they were introduced. The Day of the Dove, when yeah, they were when they were introduced. Yeah, which oh, this, way back this one's in, Day of the Dove. Uh, oh, it was uh, uh, Errand of Mercy. Yep, Errand of season Mercy. one. Yeah, exactly. End of season one when we got uh, John Cochleos as King. Um, so that was my favorite, my least favorite. This is tough pick. Um, but like I said, the wink of an eye put me to sleep, so I almost can't really hold it against. But it's a Plato stepchildren, Plato's redheaded yeah. stepchildren. My God, that that Pretty one sucked. Much. You know, yeah. I, and again, it's 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 a double edged sword. It's a catch twenty two because it did give us that yeah. historic. It's got some great stuff in there. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it had that historic moment. But the rest of the episode was just super dumb. And like you said, for you, it goes on a, a deeper level because of your own connection with being a philosophy major. So. Oh, so, all right. Well, wrapping that up, that's we're now halfway through the final season of this show. And to be honest with you, I will be glad when it's over. <laughs> but, you know, that is that is really our stated mission is that we're going to get through and we're going to talk about all the Star Treks because that's what Code 47 is all about. So, that being said, Peter, where do people find you out there on the internet? Net, oh, net, blah, blah, blah. I, I took away your outro. Peter, take us out. All right. For more information about Starfleet International, please visit Grand Petoskey on Facebook, Instagram, and or Twitter. You got it. All right. Back to what I was saying. Peter, where do people find you on the socials? All right. You can find me online at Petrus underscore Aquinas, basically anywhere, Twitter, Twitch, whatever. Um, yeah. That's where you find me. <laughs> that's that's the one. And, uh, of course, you can find me over on Twitter, at the C3, spell it out. Uh, I actually started dabbling a little bit with TikTok over the weekend, so I changed that to my handle as well. You can find me there. I don't really have any content. Probably that's a good thing. Uh, but at Secret Friends, we're going to try to work on that. You can also find me at that same handle over on Instagram. Um, but, yeah, that's that. And, of course, I am... Um, 
populating the Secret Friends Unite Facebook page with content. Uh, so if you see that, there's a good chance it came from me and my efforts. Uh, April and I also, of course, run the USS Grand Petoskey. Peter's a crew member, so is Katie. We'd love to have you join, whether you live in West Michigan or somewhere else. Uh, find us at that website uh, and on all socials under that name. So with that, I'm going to tell you, as always... I'm, I'm not as always, but I do wish I do I do miss my webcam. I'm gonna get it fixed. You'll be seeing me. We're gonna do the Ritos thing again because I'm so super pissed that it didn't work. Um, but I'm gonna tell you as always that sharing is caring, and to keep on trekking. Peace and long life. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.